Thanks for joining me for the Pray for Micah podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review, and check out my YouTube channel and follow me on social media. Pray for Micah Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Pray for Micah podcast. And now your host, Micah Chrisman. Welcome to the Pray for Micah podcast, where we explore art, activism, spirituality, and our cosmic insignificance slash significance. So I'm here with Victoria Letardo, and she is a yoga instructor, martial artist, and life coach that is passionate about embodied healing and freedom. She utilizes Jungian principles like shadow work and subconscious reprogramming to guide her clients in their transformation to unlocking a more conscious life. Through compassionate inquiry, Victoria's purpose is to help you alchemize your life's learnings and remind you of your sovereignty and the medicine found in your own inner wisdom. I know you said I could shorten it, but I loved I loved that <laughs> wording at the end. So I was like, it's going to go in. It's going to be in there. All good. All good. All good stuff. Victoria, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Super happy to be here. It's been fun to see you on Instagram posting just clips of your interviews with rad people, people that I know. And it's been yeah. awesome to just see you kind of launch this project. So, Yeah. Well, yeah. You. This will be uh, episode 16. So Ooh. still young podcast. Okay. We just started in November because I'm a plurality. I'm a, I'm a multiple. <laughs> I, me and my, myself and I, me and my shadow self. That, okay, sure, we'll, there we go. There, we'll get yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured that's why I was like, I should have her on this podcast so I can uh, explore all my inner demons with her. You know, like, <laughs> just let's get them all out. Uh, that's the whole purpose. We're let's praying. Have a therapy session. We're praying for Micah. That's the whole point. That's the whole thing is like, everyone's praying for me. If you're an atheist, you're like, well, you've got me praying for you somehow, Micah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's been really fun just having friends, some who I've only had a couple that are not in the area. So Uh it's been fun. But even some of the folks in the area, they still want to do it virtually. But it's always nice to have someone in space in my home, in my house. Yeah, it really is so different in person. Yeah. There's just a different energy exchange than virtual. So and I get to host people, give them a, a LaCroix beverage. Here, Guava. We'll, do, we'll do a little. We'll do a little cheers. Little cheers. There we go. I mean, according I mean, to the Irish, it's bad luck, but you know, I like. Are you it. sponsored by them? Because we just basically gave them oh, free advertisement. Well, you probably should. Yeah, <laughs> Limoncello, uh, Lacroix, uh, Guava Sao Paulo. Little Guava. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. They should be sponsoring me for how much I drink it. Right. You know? <laughs> There's a lot of people. In fact, actually, I haven't made up a fake sponsor in a while. That used to be kind of my thing. So. Really. Yeah, I think today... What are some of your past ones that you've done? Oh, I, I, I literally, half the time I make them up on the spot. <laughs> so today I think the ones are going to be the West Coast uh, Aardvark Rescue. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Of the Grand Trans-Pacific. Okay. Yeah, international. Wow. Yeah, they're they're sponsoring this show. They're praying wow, for Wow, well, thank you so much. Them and their Aardvarks <laughs> <laughs> are praying for me. <laughs> That's such a mouthful. I feel like they need an acronym. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's some acronym in there. Take the first letter of all those words I just said, (laughs) and there's something in there that will be a good acronym. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I think I had like the witch's coven of Massachusetts, and I just I just been making. <laughs> just, I don't have any sponsors. If you, you want to, you literally make these up on the spot. I usually do. Yeah, that's I usually, very impressive. I literally just made that one up. Yeah, that's I, great. I've, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just, just start making up be words. Weird and funny with it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I do. That's my metaphor. That's my approach for most things in life. Just love it. Be weird and funny about it. You know. You have to be light. <laughs> you know, like there's no point in being so serious through life. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are times where like friends will be like, Micah, you just shared something really deep and like emotional with a smile on your face. Like, what's what? But like, <laughs> like something really sad. Like. I don't know. Someone died in my life and I'm somehow end up like trying to and like, so some of it's a thing I have to work on. Like, all right. You know, mm-hmm. I really am feeling sad, but it's almost can be like, uh, I'm trying not to feel sad yeah. or bring the mood down, you know, you know, yeah. say something serious. and like, I don't have to chuckle at the end of that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Just, right. Yeah. Like a coping mechanism. Or right. Something. Exactly. And I'm like, I can be a very serious person. It's not like I avoid going you know sad and serious with somebody it's just sometimes it just depends on the thing it'll just end to be like <laughs> you know oh man you know you know these people were hit by tornadoes and you know I don't, ah. no i'm just kidding <laughs> no that's so you're like let me just chuckle at the end of that <laughs> yeah let me don't just, want anyone feeling awkward like the whole world's falling apart <laughs> <laughs> you know global warming <laughs> you know just like what my god that's some heavy shit you're talking about, and uh, somehow you're doing it with a laugh. Yeah, you're like, I'm terrified, but I'm smiling at the same time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So. That's awesome. I mean, me. Well, oh, I was going to ask you, like, I'm curious to know if you've learned about that coping me- mechanism more through studying, like, the Enneagram or human design or any personal development tools. Like, yeah. What What have you learned about yourself with that? Oh, yeah, it's a good good question. Um, well, as far as the Enneagram goes, I am a two. Okay. And so I, I definitely have this need to want to, you know, show up, be there for people, and, um, you know, want to be the servant, for lack of better words. Yeah. I, I hate to just degrade. Yeah. <laughs> summarize, but that's how it is, kind of things with these things. Like, it's a one-word thing. It's this color. No. Yeah. And then there's so much layers to it. It's all these colors and all these <laughs> nuances it's to the so number. It's so multifaceted, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, I don't know if the two has gave me a lot of knowledge about the maybe the coping mechanism of like trying to find humor or trying to, you know, somehow talk about something serious mm-hmm. and I'm smiling about it. But <clears throat> I would say if it was the tie to the two, it'd probably be because, yeah, I'm like somehow not trying to like labor people with something heavy and emotional yep, and so yep. oh let me alleviate it by doing some kind of you know more comical interaction about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or present myself and not such maybe I really am feeling sad and like emotional about this thing but I'm not going to present myself that way because I don't want to be burdensome to you yep. and I was so, going to say burden came up for me. Like you, when you were saying like, let me, let me take this on so I don't have to put it on you. It's like right. you, that's where that coping mechanism probably comes from. It's like, if I laugh it off, then maybe you right. won't feel like you have to take on this heaviness that I'm feeling or yes. something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, I don't know. I, I also just find myself always having to stop myself from saying I'm sorry mm, <laughs> for things. That's huge for twos. I'm like the sorriest person you've ever met, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you have friends in your life that are like, Micah, 
Yeah. Stop saying sorry. They literally, yes. Like, I'm going to smack you <laughs> if you say sorry again. Yep. Yeah. That's good. Keep those people around, right? Oh, yeah. They're just <laughs> like, Michael, why are you apologizing? I'll like, say I'm sorry if I tell him like a big heavy thing. Like, if I really yeah. did go on a big tirade about something that frustrated me or I'm upset or something happened in my life. or And I'm just like, yeah, thanks for listening to me. Sorry I went all... No, dude. Like that's what we're here. We're ta- we're just talking. Like you don't have to be sorry for talking about your feelings. I'm your friend. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's a nice reminder. Thank you. I don't yeah. know why it's so hard for me to just like yes. accept that this person's sharing space with me and they're holding that with me and they're not taking it with them home. You know. So it's yeah. like, why am I picturing it as like a burden? You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, there's so much to learn from the Enneagram. It's kind of wild. And I feel like every couple of years, it like transitions to a new modality. Like Enneagram was really hot for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Like especially when we were both involved in like open table and like kind of in the spiritual community, Enneagram was kind of the vibe. And now it's like human design. And then there's like all these other things that keep coming out where people are able to find out more and more about. I I don't like to say fixed personality types because I think we're like kind of on a spectrum, but... Sure. You're able to just find out more about like, how do I operate and why do I operate that way? I right. think the curiosity of that is so fascinating. Yeah, it really did open my eyes like as far as like seeing, oh, when I'm in a healthy place, mm-hmm. I take on the good qualities of the four, which is like creativity. And so it just made sense when I'm like, oh, yeah, like when I'm in an unhealthy place, I go into this like honestly like cleaning frenzy <laughs> and I'm just like okay I can control this thing so I'm just gonna like vacuum or like do something very yeah. like you know I need to control my environment or the outcome or you know something yeah. that but when I'm in a healthy space you let go of that control and you get tapping more of the creative mind yes and you get to explore more and I'm just like oh yeah I've seen that or like mm-hmm. oh I let my writing take uh you know how I'm feeling more or more expressive in my writings or different things. Yeah. That's What's awesome. your number? I'm a four. You're four. Yeah. Okay. So I disintegrate into, is that a word? That's it a is word, a word. Right? Okay. I, used, no. I was like, when I said it, I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. I can never remember what, I know it's integrate yes. into like the positive yes. aspect. So I disintegrate into a two. So when you're healthy, you go to a four, you go to the individualist, the romantic type. Mm-hmm. When I'm unhealthy, I go to the two. Okay. So I go to the, like, let me do everything for everyone. So I don't burn. Mm-hmm. Like I basically abandon myself oh, <laughs> for no. the sake of like making sure everyone else is good. Right. Right. Um, but when you're healthy, the twos integrate into, wait, no, the twos, when they're unhealthy, integrate into eight. Disintegrate. Yes. Sorry. Yes. All these freaking words. I know. You get what I mean. But <laughs> There's an arrow going up in this yeah, direction. There's all directions. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because that's that's what I love about the Enneagram is like it's expressed in so many different ways. And we essentially, I believe that we each carry bits of each number mm-hmm. in our expression, but at certain times of our life certain numbers are expressed more than others. Mm. There's like a central way that we express ourselves. And then there's like, we're multifaceted. So there's different ways that that shows up in our life. So I resonate with that. Yeah. yeah, I know that, I don't know. We did a book study at Cherith Brook and it went into like childhood traumas. And I'm like, okay, I can see some of that. Mm -hmm. The two at play with like church culture and like just needing to serve like the yes. next pastoral figure, whether it was my parents yeah. or the actual pastors or leaders in the church. 
Um, but I really feel like energy wise, I was a seven. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I don't know when I was younger. Anyways, yeah. I feel like I was more of the, Hey, let's just have a good time. <laughs> you know? Totally. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so I, I don't resonate with that, that maybe as you move through life, you might take on other qualities. Yes, of <laughs> yes absolutely. And actually it's interesting because most, I, I heard, I don't, this is not like scientifically proven or anything, but I have heard from folks who have studied the Enneagram or are like Enneagram experts, especially those that are in like the evangelical Christian world. Mm -hmm. Um, they've talked about how a lot of women actually think that they're twos or test as twos at Mm. first when they're getting into the Enneagram, because it's that idea that we've been conditioned as women, like the servant, you're always serving your lap. Like you think about yourself last. Um, like we don't, there's this, yeah, there's this level of like giving and giving and giving that we give that we just give to the world and to people, but we don't actually know how to receive Yeah, because we've been taught that like we come last. So it's interesting to me, just, I I think there's so much to learn from the Enneagram and other tools, but anyway, I'm not an Enneagram expert, so I just want to put that out. There's a disclaimer for everyone on, on the podcast right now listening. But if you're an Enneagram expert and you want to sponsor this podcast, yeah, please, uh (laughs) please sponsor this podcast. If you are an Enneagram expert, did you feel like it was uh, difficult to accept the four as your number? Cause I always feel like yeah. the four is always like, for some reason, maybe that's a stereotype of the four. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> I just feel like there was a person in Cherith Brook. We were all, she was part of the book study with yeah. the rest of us. And you know, it was just kind like of rejected one of those things. her number. Yeah. She was just like, I don't believe I'm the four. But then the more we talked about it, it just yeah. was very clear that she was like, she was a four. Yeah. That she's, yeah, like I don't see it as a bad thing. I'm like, yeah, it's like the creative thing. Yeah. And you're trying to be unique in yourself. But I don't know. I think sometimes people interpret it as like the selfish or like the, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what that, maybe that's not right. Yeah. I guess like no, just I the whole like, saying. oh, I'm, I want the spotlight kind yes. of thing. Yes. Like, and the, I, I do think that fours can, like, I will absolutely admit that as a four, like I can become very self-absorbed in my emotions. And I see. Yeah. that's where I think the selfish component comes in, right? Like if I'm feeling something strongly and I'm in my own spiral of feeling something, I've become so self-absorbed with it that I'm not actually living in reality. I'm living in my own head, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so everything becomes about what I'm feeling and everything needs to be dictated by that. And so it's like fours are moody. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're moody and I'm a cancer son. So I'm like freaking... triple mo- and this I'm a Gemini month. rising. So like, oh, okay. talk about intense combo <laughs> right there. So yeah, I think, you know, the, the fours are very much, um, I feel like fours either like reject their number or they really embrace it because there's a part of them too. That's like, you know, they're not just called the romantic. They're called the individualist. Right. They want to be original. Like yes. their thing is like, I want to know that I have like purpose and originality and I can bring something to the table that's unique and that my gifts can be used in a very unique way that no one else has ever been able to use them in, you know? And so I do think there's this pursuit, this desire for that. Um, But I also think that if unattended, if not, like if you're not aware of your tendencies, Mm. then you can absolutely become self-absorbed in those pursuits, if that makes sense. Sure. Well, I think that's the whole tool of the Enneagram in general, right? Is like, it just gives us a shape and mold potentially of the underlying like, like 
I don't know. I thought it was just interesting when someone first described it to me. That's like, oh, if you're going to do the test, you actually need to like, it's better to do it when you're like 24, 25. Yeah. Like you need to have some like lived experience to see patterns in your yes. life. To like yeah. see something that kind because of, it's like those are underlying behaviors that are tied to this inner child, <laughs> this abandoned, whatever. They didn't say yeah. abandoned child, but basically whatever traumas you went through as a kid. Oh, I wasn't shown love unless I proved myself loyal or did a service then okay that kind of bleeds out and yeah or you know I wasn't um appreciated for my artistic creativity Uh and so you delve into that you know that inner creative and oh there I mean there's 12 of them so there's yeah (laughs) or or wait right no there's nine nine there's nine yeah yeah, so you fact check me. Some, yeah. Somebody. <laughs> yeah, someone fact check us because we, we're clearly not experts over here. Clearly, so. Well, when you brought up like Gemini, I was like, oh, that's a whole world. I, I don't even astrology? know. <laughs> like, astrology. I was going to ask if you've had someone on the podcast talk about astrology before. I feel like we it's can. such a hot topic. Like, Oh, yeah. And there's so many memes I see out there of like, like men essentially um like criticizing women for how obsessed they are with astrology right like in the dating dynamic it's like when a woman asks a man like what's your sign oh it's one of the options on bumble yeah no it's not is it really yeah you could choose like yeah i'm I'm a this gemini or cancer yeah you can totally i'm not surprised actually (laughs) it makes sense yeah i didn't i i just tell people like i identify as a cancer what are you (laughs) well so the whole thing is that i was born june 21st so I'm literally oh, you're on, on the cusp of Gemini and yes, Cancer. Yes. It's the mm-hmm. sol- summer solstice. Summer solstice. That's a great birthday to have. I know. I've always loved having my birthday on June 21st. But literally, I asked my mom. I was like, hey, can I get my birth certificate? Because everyone's asking me. Yeah, everyone's asking everyone's what time so I was curious. born. When I tell people that, I'm like, well, I don't really know. I just, when I look it up, it's these two options. Yeah. And to, I literally look over and there's no time stamp on it. There's no time of they birth. They didn't put a time? No. They did not put a time on my birthday. Does your mom remember? And so I asked her and she, I was like, so apparently if I was born between midnight and 3 a.m. Okay. Then I would have been a Gemini. And in yes. between 3 a.m. and sunrise. Oh. Like whenever the. F- You've done some research. Yeah. Like somebody was helping me. Yeah. Like one of my friends. I can't remember who it was. But somebody was like, yeah, they were helping me like, yeah, between that window. And she was like, I honestly don't know. It was in the middle of the night and it was dark. <laughs> I just know it was dark because it was not- it was a really bad pregnancy. Like, not sorry. The pregnancy wasn't bad, but it was a bad the night. labor. So, yeah. I don't know. Do you want to hear some details? I won't get too gruesome. I mean, do you want your audience to hear details? Mom, mom's going like to hear it. Mom's my audience. <laughs> so, she already knows the story. She lived it. I just think it's kind of a funny story, too. It's how I entered the world. So, it's about time yeah. the world learned the how. The world should know how you entered. How did Micah it. come to exist in this world? <laughs> so, my mom goes in and um, she had had... Some kind of thing with her first pregnancy where she had to have a C-section, C-section. and yeah. so then basically that became the norm for all of her other, all of my, all the other kids in the family. And how many of you are there? There are five of us. So she had five C-sections. Yeah, she did. Wow. Um, yeah, my three older sisters, me, and my brother, and yeah, it was just kind of one of those things like that was the the safest way. Yeah. Since the f- they had to do it the first time with my oldest sister, and so I'm like the. F- first son to come and um like so you know they're excited i mean they're just you know dad's you know like oh we're gonna have a boy you know and uh that's exactly how he sounds too (laughs) oh we're gonna have a boy you know (laughs) and uh 
the doctor anesthetize or gives like a, a numbing, mm-hmm. you know, thing mm-hmm. to her shot and did not give her enough. Oh, God. So she's in like excruciating pain. And so they started to like, yeah, cut. And my mom's like screams like, I feel that. And the doctor's just like, oh, no, you just feel a pressure. You know, you're just feeling a pressure. We'll oh, wait, we'll wait a couple gosh. minutes. And so then and so allegedly, I don't know where this video is, but my dad was recording it. No. And the doctor starts to make a cut again, and she just screams out, I feel that. And then the camera just apparently goes clunk and just falls over. My dad passes He's out. He's like, Oh, he passed <laughs> he out. He passed out. Yeah. He falls oh over. Oh, my passed out God. He was just like, Oh, my God. <laughs> my wife's in pain. He's just holding his breath, I guess. I don't know. But apparently, like the nurses, I had to like, help him. Oh, my gosh. Out. And, uh, they ended up just like knocking my mama out and then yeah. when she woke up was out. So they're both know? knocked out while <laughs> yeah. you're being birthed into the world. No wonder your poor mother doesn't know the time of birth. Yeah. She, she was, was going through it. She was going through some hell. Yeah. It's like, I'm just trying to have this baby and this doctor is like stabbing me and not giving me enough <laughs> medicine to like <laughs> numb it. So, Jeez. But that's kind of it, the, the part about you getting to choose because you're on the 21st is like, like whichever one you feel most aligned with. Yeah, I Makes feel like sense. I have more of the melancholy, yeah, more of the empathetic more of the cancer, side. Cancerian, cancerian, I don't know how you say that. Energy, right? <laughs> Sounds official. Yeah, why not? We'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah, and then like the Gemini, I don't know, I guess it's like the two-faced uh-huh. person. and Yeah. But they're still fun. So then I like to like, just, basically I just try to like, yeah, I take the good qualities like, of Gemini. I'm a Gemini if you want me to be, <laughs> but I'll be a cancer if you prefer that. It's you like, should put that on your bumble. Yeah. <laughs> Born on summer solstice. My astrology is up for you to define. Oh, <laughs> Whatever I, you want it to be. <laughs> I when I Maybe if I remake the profile, I went and just deleted it. I was just like annoyed with the dates. <laughs> People I was going on dates with, they were just, yeah, I don't know. It was just not a good fit. I don't know. I was also just like, I need to save some money. And It's expensive. <laughs> it's like, And it's know, a lot of energy. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of energy to be going oh, on. Oh, for like, sure. To messaging people and they all yeah. want, uh, you feel like you have to give a unique message for everything and yeah. share your whole life story because yeah. they're asking all these questions and then they don't end up showing up for a date. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, oh. it's not worth it. <laughs> what was your pickup line? Um, I don't know. I did a bit rave things like, oh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag pray for Micah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no wonder, Micah. Hashtag pray for Micah. Hashtag, yeah. Uh, no, I don't so know. So it's different you, every time. Yeah, sometimes okay. you'd be like, hey, how's your week go? I don't know. Gotcha. It wasn't really Nothing that clever. too catchy. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to come off too cheesy. Mm-hmm. I figured mm-hmm. if they swiped right on me, they just, know, they got to know. He's, he seems like a wholesome person. He's not yeah. like these six-pack dudes who going to have a one-liner, you know? Yeah. Like, just... You know, have you ever seen Master of None on Netflix? Uh, no, is with that with the Zari? Yeah. Oh my god, there's like this whole episode where he's like, it's about a dating apps, <laughs> and his pickup line is, I'm going to Whole Foods, you need anything? And it's hilarious because it just becomes this thing for him, uh-huh. and it works every time. Like, every time he does it, the women are like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's pretty funny. So after that, I feel like the pickup line became a thing on dating apps, you know? Oh, what I mean? really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, next time I, I have been learning some pick. I don't know. I heard it somewhere. I was like, I like that one. It was like, uh, are you uh, are you American cheese or are you che- are you cheesy or something? Because you look extra sharp today or something. <laughs> like, are you American cheese? Because <laughs> you're looking extra sharp today. See, that would be mine. It just ended up like coming off as like a really. 
bad dad joke. Yeah, yeah, kinda. exactly. It's like, oh, like, <laughs> oh, like, I'm... thanks for trying, but. <laughs> but also, now I just want to go throw up. <laughs> now I just want to throw up after you just sent me that. Yeah, I just was so like, good. for my mental health and money and finances, I just like, yeah, we're just going to take a break Smart. from Bumble. You do you. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. Like I said, it was like sometimes you just like have a, go out and have a fun date. Yeah. Ain't, ain't no thing but a chicken wing, you know? Yeah. And Great dad joke. That was I, I, I heard that one. <laughs> Slip that right in there. Like, Slip that in there. Yeah. Go, go get some wings. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, and I get it. Like you, I wanted to try to like steer things towards like free dates, you know, mm-hmm. like where I don't have to go. I don't know, because there's just this weird social pressure of like, yeah. do I pay? Do I offer to not? Or do I <laughs> offer to not pay? Can I offer to not pay? Um, but yeah, it always inevitably is like, you know, hey, would you like to go to a park? Oh, I don't meet guys in parks at, on the first day. <laughs> like, okay, fair. Like, you don't want to get like thrown in a van or yeah. something. Okay, you want to get coffee? Well, I don't get off work till six on Friday night. You know, and it's like, it's, you know, I okay, will I guess say, we're going to go to dinner. <laughs> it is hard to know how to steer the conversation, especially on Bumble, where like the objective of Bumble is, well, actually, I liked Bumble more because Bumble's the one where like women take the lead, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So like I was able to start a conversation with someone that I felt like I wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but on these other apps, like I do feel like the dynamic you're everyone's different and their requirements for a first date are different. So you're right. either going to like, like hit the jackpot where you're like, Oh, I asked her to go to dinner and she said yes. And that's exactly what she wanted as opposed to a park. Right. It's like, it's right. always different because someone might be absolutely offended that you asked them to go to a park or while right. someone else would be like, Oh my God, I love being outdoors. Yes. Let's do I it. Know. That's, I would love to go on a free date. You know? Yeah. It's just hit or it's miss. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think there there have been people that were like, yeah, totally cool with like meeting up for coffee or doing things. And I, I don't know. I guess I just try to like also make it fun for me. So I, like I try not to just like, hey, l- let me just pick these couple same spots and take all of them there. It was like, hey, I want to like if it's going to be coffee, I want to try a coffee shop I haven't been to. Yeah. You know, if it's and like obviously try to like do it to where it's like in between where we live. So. But Yeah. Uh, just you got to be creative and yes. it's it's so much energy and then you invest all this time and money and, and stuff and it's just like i don't know it was nice to do it because it was like i started it when i was during the pandemic yeah and it was just like okay mm-hmm. i'm working from home not meeting a lot of new people and like as far as outside of like yeah. the work life friend sphere and so it was fun for that kind of well, deal good. but i feel like i'm back out Doing things with friends. Yeah, socializing. Yeah. I just feel like there's more opportunities to just make something more organic and natural yeah. happen. But That's good. Yeah. Well, good for Bumble you. Bumble should be a sponsor for the show. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we are giving a lot of free ads to people right now. Well, let's do the conversation. Let's go. I feel like this is a nice tie to shadow work because, you know, oh, yeah, that's part right? of the reason why I'm single is all my shadows. <laughs> and so... Victoria, tell am I me. here to psychoanalyze you, Mike? You is are. That what we're about to do? Please. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I invited you here. It's free, you know, free therapy. So if I could get no, you can tell me all the things are wrong with me. No, but I'm curious. Like, you're certified in like Jungian principles. Uh huh. Um, yeah, certified Jungian life coach. Yeah. Life coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what does that what does that require to like become that? Yeah, that's a great question. Not nearly as much as it does to become a psychotherapist. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, that was kind of like the, the direction that I was headed in is 
I wanted to go back to grad school, wanted to become a psychotherapist, was very passionate about utilizing not just talk therapy, not just like cognitive behavioral modalities, but more something that was like somatic, something that was a little bit more mystical too. So Mm. I looked at like spiritual direction programs and I was just like, I I was honestly just looking everywhere. And I finally landed on this specific program because the term life coach is really like wide spectrum of what it can mean. You know, you have like mindset coaches, you have like business life coaches, you have people who are, you have life coaches who their objective is to help you solve a problem, mm-hmm. you know, in like a tangible way. And then you have life coaches who are here to help you develop as a person, which is a very different approach. Yeah. So this program in particular um, is based out of California. And there was a grad school that I was actually looking at out there. Um, and I ended up finding this program online and signed up. I had like an initial intake call with one of the lead coaches. And as soon as she said, like, we work with the ego, I was like, sign me up. Because I feel like working with the ego is one of the most effective ways for people to start to integrate mm-hmm. their whole self, to like integrate their shadows, integrate their ego, understand what the ego is and what role it plays and why it plays that role and how I can actually befriend it to then like get to the deeper, juicier stuff that I've like been leaving at bay because it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to look at that, right? Those are our shadows. Sure. And so I've learned so much through this program um, and continue to learn every day. Um, and the funny thing about it too is like, as soon as you sign up for something like this, you're like, oh shit, like I actually have to apply this to myself, right? So it's like, I went through six months of like, and still I feel like even now I'm still going through a pretty intense phase of life where like I'm examining my own shadows and understanding my own ego and going through an ego death of sorts that has been Hmm. really painful, but illuminating, you know, and like Carl Jung talks about that, like birthing consciousness is painful, Hmm. but consciousness is what leads us to freedom. Like being able to choose a conscious life is what allows us to actually manifest the things we want in our life. Um, And so that's why this program really drew me in. I felt like it was the perfect combination of like neuroscience um, depth psychology, which is based on Carl Jung's theory. And then also like some Eastern spiritual principles, a little bit more of the mystical realm, which I personally love. Um, right. Cause it's yeah. t- kind of touches on dreams and stuff too. Right. Yeah. Or, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's way more in depth than what. No, it does. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, utilizing dreams as a way of being able to draw from symbols that you see in dreams. And so essentially like when we're dreaming, when we're in a dreaming state, our subconscious is, is coming through, it's speaking to us. And so there's a lot that we can glean from dreams because there's, there's like subconscious wisdom there that in our waking life, we're not necessarily aware of. Um, and so, I mean, dream work can get so in depth. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, working with symbols and being able to like even, um, lucid dream, you know, like there's a lot of different ways that you can like start to work with dreams. Um, and I'm, I'm so fascinated by it and I've started keeping a dream journal, which has been really great. I was about to ask you, I was like, have you ever done the whole dream journal thing? Yeah. I, I, I feel like I was really good at it at the beginning and I've sort of like, fallen off a little bit but it's I mean most of us dream every night whether we remember them or not like most humans are dreaming when we're in our REM state um and so 
I've been tracking my sleep, which has been exciting because I'm able, like when I have this little like app thing, I'm not, I'm not going to say the name because I'm not going to give other free yeah, advertisement. No more, no more free no spots. More. Y'all no need more to freebies. sponsor Micah if you want some of these <laughs> name drops. Um, but anyway, I, it's been fun for me to kind of like study like, oh, like I'm in a deep sleep and this is how long I'm in REM. And then like, it'll tell me how long I've slept and then I'll wake up in the morning. If I've had a dream, I'll like write it out. Um, I'll sometimes post it on the forum of the coaches online that have gone through the program and we'll start to just kind of like some people are really, really into dream interpretation. So they'll start to offer their wisdom on it. Um, and it's been fascinating. I believe that I do believe that dreams can be a foreshadowing of something um, like an like a premonition. Mm. But I think most of the time dreams are just symbolic. It's a metaphor. Like sure. if you dream about an X, it's not actually the X. It's what the X represents. Right. And so I think sometimes we wake up from dreams and we're like, wow, that was fucking weird. <laughs> like, I don't even want to like dive into that. Right. Right. And then you realize like, oh, it's just symbolic of something. Like it's all a reflection of something within you. Right. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. It's it's fun. If you like that kind of stuff. Some people oh, don't want to like, about dive all into stuff. deep, you know. Oh, yeah. We're going to. We're going to just stick right here with it because <laughs> I, I want to, I want to back up to what you were just saying about the idea that dreams could be premonitions of the mm-hmm, future. Mm-hmm. And so do you tie that to like the, like a divine intervention, like God mm-hmm. kind of figure instilling those dreams or like, I'm just curious what your view is on yeah. it or cause I've like, I've had dreams in the past where like, and I feel like I still have like moments like that where like, I don't know. And I know that like uh, deja vu can be mm-hmm. parts of your brain not catching up. This is like you're processing in that moment and it feels really familiar. Yes. But there'll be some moments where it's like, no, I remember this in a dream. Yep. I don't remember when I had the dream, but I remember seeing this scene, having this conversation with these people saying these, this phrase. Yeah. And it's really freaky. <laughs> yes. It's no, like more than a, more than a deja vu. And yeah. So I'm curious, like, What's your interpretation like on <laughs> yeah. that of, if of, of premonition, premonition of, and dreams? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I definitely identify as a spiritual person. Um, and so for me, I do believe that, um, I believe that divine inspiration is around us all the time. And sure. I believe it's, it's, it's within us. It's flowing through us, in us and around us at all times. And so, I do really believe that certain dreams can be foreshadowing of events. Um, you know, I do believe that people have like very, what's the term? Like clear, clear sentient, clear. There's a lot of like, you know what I'm getting at? More of like the psychic abilities of like clairvoyance, being clairvoyance like okay. having, having like a vision of like, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I believe to some degree, like we all embody gifts of, understanding like the more you have a sense of awareness within I think the more you start to kind of see that reflected out in the world um and that's all about union principle too it's like everything that's happening within me is being reflected out into the world Mm. and so you know we think about like the state that our world is in and I'm kind of like I'm kind of veering off a little bit but I'll come back to it yeah we think about like the state that our world is in politically and it's like I'm not surprised because how many of us actually like 
have a really healthy internal narrative with ourselves, right? Sure. And it's like, if we are in, in a battle with our own selves internally, that's just going to constantly be reflected out into the world in our actions because our thoughts lead to our actions. Those actions have consequences and here we are. And so I feel like when it comes to dreams, I think that it's the, I really believe in the two different things where it's like subconsciously, it's an opportunity for us to become aware of certain patterns in our life. But I also think that on a very spiritual divine level, um, certain dreams can actually allude to, real life events that are about to happen. Um, So the brain's amazing. I mean, I I do not claim to be some like neuroscientist or anything, but as I've dived more into understanding how our mind works and understanding how our thoughts like truly affect everything that we do and say and kind of like are out in the world, um, I just, I am just more and more fascinated by this kind of work. Because to me, I and this was kind of my tagline for a while, like I'm devoted to collective liberation through personal transformation because that's how I believe we actually will get there. Yeah. Is through personal transformation. Yes, these greater actions that are happening in the world towards um, issues of injustice are important. Mm-hmm. But I also think that like if we are if we're approaching these things from a place of ego, what are we actually doing? Right. We're just you know, solving today's, you know, symptom thing yeah. that tomorrow will just replicate and repeat the same ills of yeah. power and domination because exactly. we didn't change something inward about ourselves. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. I think it's, it's a mixture of, yeah, definitely that personal work. And then there's the, you know, collective work, mm-hmm. you know, that we do mm-hmm. as far as the social and political environment, but that's, Powerful what you're saying, just to think about, you know, I don't know, why is it always things are just, even when they talk about the political system and it mm-hmm. somehow being brought down to just two parties, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. more back, you know, yes. early, you know, America and somehow human tendency is like, okay, we have all these um, contesting folks, you know, in a, in a fight for vying for power mm-hmm. And we need to simplify it to two candidates or we need to simplify it down to yeah. <laughs> two parties or two things because um, there's just something about that in our brain that's just so... <laughs> yeah, our brain wants to think in right. binary. Right. You know what I mean? Our brain wants to think good, bad, right. like evil, good, right? Like we always try to judge these things and categorize these things. And so it's easier for our brain to go there. So we want to think in these binary ways. And that's also internally reflect, reflected, right? Like we judge our yes. actions, we judge our experiences, we judge our identities. And that's where a lot of shadow work can actually be really freeing because we recognize that like, oh, like, you know, a lot of what I've been working around lately within my own self is like, um, in Jungian theory, they call it the anima animus, like the integration of the masculine, and the feminine, or mm. in like Chinese traditional medicine and like Taoist um, philosophy they would call it like the yin and the yang Mm -hmm. and like the 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 masculine the feminine right like the elements of of like power and surrender and so it's like the both we can embody both but we are all our systems are set up in a way that's like we have to choose one or the other and we're constantly in this like internal tension 
And that's always being reflected out in the choices we make out in the world or like the things that we buy into or the ways we've been conditioned to believe as women or men or, you know. And so I think there's there's a lot there that like, you know, is is a means of control. Like like I talked about over Fourth of July, I wrote something around this idea that like shadows are like there's political shadows right? Like there are like, there are ways that we've been taught. And I, and I, I kind of tie this into religion too. Like we've been taught to demonize one and glorify the other, whatever that thing is, right? Whether it's like conservatism. Yeah. But we've learned to other everything. Right. And so when we other it, we're judging it. And when we're judging it, okay, well, we're already creating this internal idea of like right or wrong. And when we do that, we then start to like combat and we don't actually understand that like when we, when we're not, when we're not coming from a place of, when we're coming from a place of combating something internally, like there's more to reflect there. It's like, I, I want to be someone who's like for something and not like constantly against it. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So I don't know if any of that made sense, but that's some of my thoughts around, um, yeah, just politically where we're at and and how I see shadows playing out in our political system. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, because I feel like the same thing. I always hear the word ego mm-hmm. and automatically go to, that's the bad side. Mm, yeah, most <laughs> like people Like that do. whole binary thing. So yep. can you give us like, yep. how do you define like ego and like ego death, ego birth? You know, like how do you hold all of it together and that like what is the positives of ego because like there has to be some element of me right you know we have to i I don't know again it goes back Mm -hmm. for me it goes back to experiences you know people doing psychedelics and it's like i experienced an ego death it's like yeah did we really though (laughs) a lot of people (laughs) actually do yeah when they're on psychedelics will experience some kind of ego death although i will say i do not i i don't think you have to experience psychedelics in order to have an ego death right um, this is and why I don't think some of those people aren't really getting an ego death. Right. It's just burying the ego further. Yes. And then you have this in transit, like, you know, you have this experience. wonderful experience, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. And I, I think, so the way I kind of describe it and break it down. And again, this ties back to Jungian theory is like, so with Jungian theory, there's this belief that we have the true self yeah, and that that true self cannot be harmed. And so when we think about the ways we have been conditioned in our society, either through, um, generational patterns in our families, um, societal conditioning, political, religious, etc. We develop in the world what we call a persona. And that persona mm. is how people see us, right? Yeah. So, for example, I'll just use like the religious perspective because like I grew up in the church and I'm a woman who grew up in the church um, with the idea of purity culture being a thing, right? right. So it's like, I grew up with an idea of like, this is how a woman should present and this is how a Mm. woman should behave and talk and do and be and da da da, you know, all those things. And so you just, you just do it. Like, it's like I, you develop a persona around these, like these boxes or these things that you've been taught are good and what's bad. Right. And, and usually that's influenced by your environment and your family and you know, all those things. Um, so when our persona and our ego work together because our persona essentially keeps us safe and our ego is working hard to keep us safe all the time. Right. And so I used to think 
that ego, like when someone would mention the word ego, I used to think it was like you. I was like, oh, that's bad. Like ego means arrogance. Ego means narcissistic. I thought you were saying like me. You thought of me. Like, I thought, <laughs> I of, thought you. of you. When I thought of ego, I thought of Micah. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay. Here we are. That shows my, my inner fragile shadows. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, you're like, I was like, oh, you thought of me. Uh, Micah's like, I'm offended. You know, hey. <laughs> You know, if that's if that's what happens, I, I'll, so I, can, I can accept that truth. Funny, you know? <laughs> that's hilarious. But I thought of what you said, yeah. like around this idea of that, like when someone said you're being egotistical, that it meant you were like narcissistic or arrogant. Right. And I never in my life, like, in fact, what I had been taught was to be a very humble person. Right. We're taught that in this Christian rhetoric. And so when I started to kind of break it down, I was like, oh, like your ego is actually working to protect you. So my ego is not bad. It's my ego is the thing that's like rising up and saying like, we want to protect you here because you've maybe experienced something at some point in life where you were rejected or lost belonging or something came, like something was realized, some kind of fear was realized. And so now the ego is like, we're going to protect you from experiencing that again. Mm. And so it kind of creeps up from time to time. That's why usually like, Usually when you're going through a big life transition, that's when like your ego is the loudest because it's right. really scary to be going through a transition. And so your ego is trying to protect you, right? It's like, are you sure you want to take that chance? Are you sure? Are you, are you sure? Right? It's always <laughs> like, mm, we're going to try and keep you safe, Micah, right? Yeah. And so you make decisions based off of what's going to keep you safe and what's going to keep you aligned with that persona. Right. But when we start to actually work with our ego, we realize like, oh, wait, I don't actually have to be afraid of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just trying to protect me. Thank you for trying to protect me. But what I'm trying to do in this case is to actually like really align with my true self or my soul. Right. Like if, if that's mm. the, you know, I know that not everyone really believes that there is a true self or that like we really are souls in a body. But that's my belief. And so my hope as a coach is to help people reconnect to that because it's a remembering. I don't think there's like, uh, I think there's lots that's been layered on in our life that makes us think we have to be something out in the world because that's what's um, acceptable. Right. And then when we start to unpack that, we start to work with our ego, we realize like, oh, like I actually have this whole side of me that's been afraid to actually be lived through me because it's it's powerful and it's free and it's expressive but what i've what have i what have i been taught about being those things right mm. and so i don't know if that answers your questions i have a very long way of answering questions but oh that's that's the whole all that to say this. i don't want the short answer egos the... you can befriend them yeah. you can really befriend them because they're actually there for you they're there to work with you and when you begin to integrate your ego, you actually like your shadows aren't so scary anymore. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. Like your shadows are everything that you've rejected or repressed because you had this judgment around what was okay, what wasn't. I guess that was my next question. It's like, yeah, what do you define like the shadow self versus like the true self? And like, cause you're saying the shadow self is you're saying it's elements of like our rejected, a rejection mm-hmm. of ourselves mm-hmm. that we want to, um, like basically I'm guessing like baggage or parts of ourselves that were just like, Hey, I was hurt. I was traumatized there. And I just don't want to like yeah. look and, and, or I hurt somebody else. Maybe. I don't know. I, don't yeah, know. I guess I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, what, yeah. what, what are the, 
well, how do you define the shadow self yeah. in relation to the ego? That's a good, yes, that's a good point. So I'll use an example again of like how I've kind of personally been going through this um, transformation. But so for example, like I grew up with a narrative and this was kind of the narrative in my family and my dynamic um, as a woman too, that like you're selfish if you express your needs. Hmm. So if I grew up with a belief that I'm selfish, if I speak my needs, then I'm going to develop a persona that is constantly giving and loving and never really expressing my needs because that's not okay, right? So I'm going to develop the opposite of that. So if my shadow, in my shadow lives selfishness, in my persona lives selflessness. So I'm doing things out of my ego to come off as selfless. I want people to perceive me as selfless. But I've, what really what's happening is that I'm, we're kind of manipulating how we want people to see us, right? Right. So it's like, what's living in my shadow is selfishness. That needs to actually come up and be integrated, right? What if I were to actually voice a need and someone were to say I was selfish? What would happen? What would be the you worst right thing? Back into right. <laughs> never staring what your, right. what your needs are. Right. And so it's like being able to sit with the emotions of the fear that comes up with that, right? And so when I started to work with that story of selfishness and started to realize that, like, no, it's actually okay for me to list the things that I need or to have boundaries around my like what I need and what how I feel supported. I like I can like I had to really sit with the fear of like, what if I did lose belonging with that person? What if they did call me selfish? Like what would be the worst thing that would happen? And then I started to work with a perception of that. Like why do I work so hard for someone else to perceive me as selfless? Yeah. Like what am I trying to protect? And then once I started to work with both the shadow and the persona and ego, I started to realize like, oh, if someone perceives me as selfish for putting up a boundary, that's on them, not me. Mm. You know, like that's my decision. And if they perceive me as selfish, that's okay. Yeah. Like I can be okay that someone else thinks I'm selfish. Right. But I was creating my life in a way that was like, I need to make sure that you never think I'm selfish. Right. Absolutely. And so you're living out of your persona. You're living out of your ego. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Light bulbs going off. (laughs) and now i'm just going back to all my therapy sessions and like (laughs) thinking about yeah okay that was yeah the way i don't know yeah honestly thinking about with my therapist she just described as like parts like yeah just parts work Mm -hmm. is what she called it is just yeah there's a part of micah that wants to display this thing to be yeah get approval from people same kind of thing like i don't set good enough boundaries sometimes with my time and energy mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I'll just be like yeah you need me to like stop like like I had a friend who reached out the other day and just wanted help with something that yeah. just would require a couple hours and you know rather than coming up with an excuse or just things I was like hey sorry I can't do that tonight I could do it you know yeah later you this said week. that to them yes I did yeah. And just like, so you set your boundary, right? Yeah. Even though I had the availability to go mm-hmm, help or do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just kind of, I always feel guilty. Mm. And that's like some part of me that like needs to meet that. Yeah. The guilt is like, there's a shadow there too. Right. That yeah. like, I don't want, um, yeah, I want to be accepted and uh-huh. loved for helping. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I also, yeah, 
in the past just maybe always felt like I had to have a good reason. Otherwise, if I don't, then I feel guilty that I'm taking time for myself Mm -hmm, instead of mm -hmm. just being selfish. (laughs) And like, I love it because somebody was saying, um, you know, we only have certain words like selfish and maybe it was in mandarin or something but they have like three words for selfishness and it was like interesting and it basically and they all have different meanings right that basically there's like a version that's like self-interest there's Mm -hmm. like a word and like it's all tied to the same roots but like yeah me waking up every day and making myself food clothing myself showering that's a part of my self-interest yes you know and that's not selfish to take care of my needs or to take time to even like, yeah, I don't have a physical thing to do, but I just wanted to read a book and chill and I don't feel like going to help these people. So let me ask you this. Did you feel guilty after you said no? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I sure did. I was just like, you know, I probably could have just gone and helped them and Mm -hmm, figured it out mm -hmm. and got back home and had my time to myself. And that's, what's interesting about shadow work is like, Wherever there's a trigger, there's a shadow, mm. you know, like the fact that you felt guilty, the fact that that situation triggered you to some degree means like, because if you were truly so okay with saying no, you wouldn't have felt guilty. Right. But the fact that you felt guilty is like, okay, there's something here that I have internalized that is leading to this conclusion that I'm guilty, right? Whether it's like, and, and this goes back to the Enneagram, right? Like, so for fours, for example, like the selfishness thing around me for me was like, if I draw a boundary or if I, if I, yes, if I draw a boundary and someone perceives it as selfish, I fear I'm going to lose belonging with them. And that's my core fear. I yeah. don't want to lose belonging with someone. And so for twos, it comes, I, I, I have a lot of loved ones around me that are twos. And I feel like for them, it's around being loved. Right. So it's like if you would have said yes when you wanted to say no, you probably would have come back and kind of resented them. Right. Because you did something when you really didn't want to do it. Right. And that was out of ego. Right. And that resent is now on you, not on them. Because if you would have you did say no. Right. But there was a part of you that felt guilty. And so now it's like, okay, how do I work with the guilt? Right. Because I said what I wanted. That's why I brought it no. up. That's why I have you here. I was <laughs> like, you know, there's this situation happened a couple of days ago. I need to, I need to work through the, this inner guilt, you know. Yeah, but it's like I, I try to make it light, too, when I talk about it or when I work with clients. Because it's not something to, like, when people think of shadows, it's like, ooh, like oh, spooky, think dark. Of stranger things. Yeah. <laughs> upside down. <laughs> I just, I just totally. But to me, it's like, no, like, like shadows are, are actually illuminating they're bringing to light something that wants to be released so it's actually a good thing it's an opportunity for you to actually like become lighter yeah you know it's your subconscious surfacing and being like hey this pattern keeps coming up maybe we should think about changing it why is it that i feel guilty every single time i tell someone no why is it that I say I'm sorry every time I tell someone something deep about myself or I feel like I'm burdening them with something, right? Begin to work with that because that is where a whole world will open up for you, yeah. you know? Totally. I'm curious um, and I'm just trying to understand like 
if you if you do this work, it's so like mm-hmm. the clients, folks you work with, and then they are trying to implement these practices in their lives, where they're analyzing their kind of subconscious actions mm-hmm. or conscious actions, and trying to understand where they're coming from in relation to their friends, family, community. How do you like? I don't know. I I I tend to look at the world pretty generally positively like mm-hmm. my interactions with people you know I, I don't usually second guess if someone's like actually being an you know if you know if they're being an asshole to me then I just like I, yeah. I see they're being an asshole right but I guess I'm curious like with this work do you feel like it and maybe I just don't understand it enough do, do you feel like it could potentially be where like oh this person's trying to do this thing and they're really just doing it because they're ego they're prideful or you know they're mm-hmm. does that make sense do you feel like people will ever like i don't want to say weaponize it i guess i'm just trying to understand like how do you how do you take people's actions like my friend probably would have just took me as coming over as oh yeah micah just like wanted to help and mm-hmm. like showed up yeah uh was he just trying to like people please for me you know yes. I don't, maybe that's not a very good question to ask i guess yeah I'm just, i think i get where f- you're coming at yeah. Yeah. I'm not asking it probably correctly. Well, let me let me try and answer. I think what you're trying to say is like, like do does the person? So if I'm working with a client, does the client are they able to perceive people's intentions more more clearly? Yes. yes. That's what I guess I'm trying to get yeah. to. Yeah. Like, how do you? How are they analyzing people's intentions totally. in a clear way? Yeah. I think they're seeing it for what it is. Okay. I, and I think it's because again, everything is is internal person like how i perceive myself internally is how i'm going to perceive the world right and so when i'm triggered by someone's actions i have to reflect back to me like okay like what within me like where in my shadow is that because why am i triggered yeah you know like why am i triggered that i put up this boundary clearly something still needs to be worked through And so I feel like when you get to a point where you develop deeper self-awareness and you are like stronger in your boundary ways, right? We're speaking about boundaries in this particular situation. Then I'm able like not only are my no's strong, but my yeses are that much stronger. Because now when I I do say yes to something, I am wholeheartedly authentically saying yes to this. And when I do that, I'm doing it from a place where like I'm ready to give from like a place of like actually wanting to give not because like oh I feel bad because they did this for me two years ago and I should give them (laughs) and we have this whole fucking narrative that we just spiral into and so like things can be perceived with just more like I don't know how to describe it like like from a place of more truth you know like I feel like before I started doing shadow work I was constantly trying to, because I've, I have I have a history of dealing with some narcissistic relationship dynamics in my past, um, I was constantly on guard, like asking like, is what they're saying true? Are they trying to gaslight me? Are they not? You know, and I'm right. constantly like on edge. And when I started to realize like, I don't actually have to be so guarded because what I have is like, like, for example, like love is what we embody. So if I embody it, the object of that love may leave at some point, but it's still here. I still have it. And so if I'm acting from a guarded place, there's still a wound there that I don't trust enough to open up to someone else. And so when you begin to like work with your shadows, you truly begin to show up in a more authentic way 
and and not only do your boundaries change or they get stronger right but like you allow yourself to be more open and willing to engage with others from like a true like it's almost like a breath of fresh air yeah where you're like ha like i'm just me right now Mm. i'm not trying to be anything but just me you know i'm not trying to act from ego i'm not trying to manipulate them from this or that or you're not playing these games anymore versus when you tamper or shell like when you shut it down yeah then it you probably create more space i create so much drama for myself (laughs) you know it's like humans are great at that aren't we yeah yeah, if i'm constantly worried about who's gonna think i'm selfish for saying yes or no to what then I'm constantly showing up to each social interaction, trying to make someone else perceive me a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's ego. Right. Whereas if I show up authentically, then to me, it's like, I really don't care at the end of the day what you think of me because I know who I am and I'm okay. Like I can live with the fact that you might think I'm selfish for saying no to this or yes to that or whatever. Like I will live. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, it kind of just relates to like something I've been just kind of processing over the last couple of, I mean, the pandemic, I think forced everybody to kind of take stock of like, where am I putting all my time and energy? Yeah. Cause like suddenly all these things were cut off from us that we couldn't participate yes. in. And we realized how much we were just busy bodies with this or that thing. And so as we kind of are coming out on this side of the pandemic, kind of some people, I think just rushed right back into you know yeah. doing all of it because it was like, they were just so hungry and eager to just get back to filling their life with the things that they had. And so I get that to some extent, but I think there's other folks who try to be like selective of what they reintegrate back into their rhythms because they realize that, Oh, I was not in a healthy place (laughs) before, you know, being involved in a million different things and how much what I was being, you know, so for me personally, like, um, just like the different groups and things I was involved with, like protests and like, I'll support those groups as much as I can and like do things. Mm-hmm. But like, I just realized, okay, I'm one person and it's more of an ego thing to show up for all the meetings yeah. and like be if not effective in any of the groups. Yeah. <laughs> like whether it's Casey Tennant's or Sam, you know, just all these different activist groups that were like, yeah, they want to do, um, I want to be a part of mobilizing or movement work. But I think it just for me was like that take a step back to reflect on what am I doing for myself (laughs) to um, put my, yeah, to get get my ego in check. And I think that's where I, at first I was just like being super negative. Like, oh yeah, you just think like, I just was doing it all for the image of being, wanting to be the good white ally and the persona you want to put. And then you're like. No, like there was a genuineness to like what I was doing, but also like, yeah, there could be both. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you can both can you be can, true. It both can be true, right? In that, that our ego does want to put our best foot forward mm-hmm. and feel like we are accepted yep. into that space, and then realizing, okay, what is it about me that needs that acceptance? Okay, that's why I'm going back to my church past that need to be <laughs> in a circle that is accepting mm-hmm. me, and I'm not those sinners yeah <laughs> you know the us and them group you know and that's me and my projection on that group you know yeah like the anti-racism group or the world you know yes and not what they were doing in practice but mm-hmm. it's what i was bringing into it with this like church baggage like mentality of how i was how i 
show up in a space. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're swapping like one fundamentalism for another. Right. Exactly. And that's like when I, for example, when I find myself doing that in something in my life, I'm, I'm quick to be aware now of like, okay, I haven't actually dealt with something there, Yeah. you know? Cause like, it's almost like, like, you know, people who had like a crazy, crazy life, like, and then they had this like 180 turnaround testimony and now they're like this huge believer and like right. preaching the gospel. And like sometimes like from a psychological standpoint, like I'm so fascinated by, by just psychology in general, but just like, especially like when it comes to our religious ties, because I'm like, I don't actually think that when we swap one for the other, we're not actually addressing the root cause. Right. We're just continuing we're just like swapping out the addiction, right? It's like whether it's alcohol or I'm sex or running or <laughs> veganism. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's like you've seen the light, but like what within you has actually changed, right? And this goes back to ego. Like we can manifest anything out of ego and we do it all the time. Yeah. But why I believe shadow work is so essential is because when we're able to work with our shadows, we're able to, I call it integration. We're able to find a sustainable way of like actually manifesting the things we want. And not only that, we're just able to show up to the world in a much truer, authentic way. Yeah. And it's not anymore of like, I want to be the white ally that is seen as this or that. And it's just like, no, like I actually trust my intentions and I trust that like, this is the world I want to see. And because this is the world I want to see, I need to first embody it. And how you can see that as if, yeah, if somebody was to challenge that, you know, like, oh, you're just a, okay. Someone who's like, if I really was worried about that persona, mm-hmm. I might crumble or feel that person's words yes. have eaten me alive. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, they, you know, oh, but if you're, when you get to that place, like you're saying, then it's like, no, I know my intentions and I know why I show up in this work, in this space. And so you're not triggered, right? You're not triggered by who attacks you for being what or lack of what you are. Like it's, that's the thing that's, and, and let me just give a disclaimer here. Like shadow work never ends. Like this is not something that's like, I have become so enlightened (laughs) that I'm never triggered. You know, like we're humans. We're always going to be triggered to some degree. But the fascinating and amazing thing about us is that we can become more conscious and aware of those triggers. And so now when I'm triggered, instead of reacting, I'm now responding because I've become aware of where this trigger is coming from. It's powerful. You know? Yeah. Um, so in relation to this and like your yoga practice and mm-hmm. everything else, like how do you see, like when you're working with clients, like, what is how does like all of that intersect with each other Mm. like i'm curious about the world (laughs) of victoria and how you're doing these beautiful practices yeah that are just but when you're working with clients yeah Mm -hmm. how do you connect that with the other things you're about yeah that's that's actually a great question and that's still a work in progress um i i really you know i'm i'm a martial artist i'm a yogi and i have found immense healing in a lot of embodied practices such as martial arts and yoga. Um, And I also feel like it's been a huge opportunity for me to dive deeper into my own like introspective, self-reflective world. Um, 
that has, you know, I, before I actually came to shadow work, I feel like I've always kind of been doing shadow work. We all are to some degree. We just have language for it. And so my hope is that like I can add, I can bring more of the somatic, like the embodied side of what I do into more of the, the mind, um, yeah, more of like the neuroscience mind aspect of like what I do. And so some of what I do with clients is around like guided visualizations. So a little bit of it's like dream work, but in real time, I'll do like a meditative session with people and I'll walk them through some kind of prompt that um, will begin to unlock some kind of subconscious pattern that they may notice at the end of the visualization. Um, and so that's been fun because I think some people need more than just like a talking session. You know what I mean? Right. Um, a lot of what I do too is also, um, taking folks through like a lucid shadow process, which is, um, playing with these archetypes. So like if you are someone who's triggered by this kind of person in society, then I take that and I flip it on its head and I'm like, Hey, what's so bad about that person? And we start to unpack that so that people can start to see that like, Oh, maybe actually some of that's in my shadow. And that's why I feel triggered by this kind of person. Right. We create those binaries again. Like this is bad. This is good. Um, but in the future, I would love to, a lot of what I do with martial arts is really around like embodying the yin and the yang. Like again, back to the masculine and the feminine and capoeira specifically is the Afro-Brazilian martial art that is incredibly expressive and intuitive. It's, there's not really any, like, there aren't really really any rules. It's more of a ritual. And so what I love about that is that, um, it's not, it's almost like when you're playing capoeira, you see two spirits playing. You don't see a man and a woman playing or a man and a man playing capoeira, right? To me, it's like you see the embodiment of two souls playing. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And I think there's a lot to work with there. Um, I mean, Jungian theory is so incredibly deep and I'm just scratching the surface, to be honest, as a life coach. Um, So eventually I would love to utilize some of that martial art philosophy to dive deeper into working with archetypes with people Mm. um, and embodying both masculine and feminine. Um, And with yoga, I would love to use breath work and some of the somatic um, like grounding principles of yoga to help folks also tap into some of their shadow work. So there's a lot. I have a lot of ideas. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) I just haven't actualized them. (laughs) Um, And I'm just kind of waiting for... I'm trying not to feel this rush of like, I need to create and put this out in the world. You know, I'm really trying to just allow myself to feel inspired as it hits and then put it out in the world. Um, and then like, you know, practice the art of non-attachment to it too. You know, where it's like, I created this boom, let it go and just see what comes with that. Yeah. It's so difficult because I've, I feel there's a lot of parallels like what you just described with like my own writing or creative stuff. Like, you know, this idea that I'm working on this thing and the pressure of the thing Mm -hmm. starts to build up and then you suddenly find yourself drifting away from working on it or (laughs) because you're like, really you're, you know, for me anyways, I'm really just, I'm scared of failing or I'm worried about like, there's a shadow. (laughs) My head's built up around it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's lots of shadows in me. We have them all. And, um, I just, you know, 
think that there's just a lot of parallels with how we invest our time and energy in something. And, and I'm curious like what your thoughts are like, cause when you really love something, like for me, I love to write yeah. in my spare mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like by trying to build up in my head that I am a writer, the less I wanted to write. Yes. Or like the more the thing that you are investing in becomes a part of your identity, it suddenly starts to lose, I don't know, yeah. like, or maybe that's just my own internal fear. Maybe that's, I don't know. No, I totally, I, I resonate with that. Yeah, and yeah. I think we are so obsessed with identifying as something in our society right I think social media has like kind of exacerbated that too where it's like in our little bios we're like this is who I am and um what's been fun about also you know fun and terrifying about going through an ego death of sorts is that like I've started to realize like you know life coach like life coaching is not my purpose it's a vessel in which my purpose is lived out Mm, right and I think about that with like motherhood which is something that I hope to become someday it's like I always had this fear that like when I became a mother it had to then become my only identity and my only purpose and then I started to just like kind of play around with that and realize like oh no like actually what I engage myself in can be a vessel in which my purpose is lived out but I don't have to be attached to that thing like I'm multifaceted yeah so like what if writing for you is the vessel in which your purpose is lived out. You can call yourself a writer, sure, right? But also, but also it's like, just a thing I do. It's just a know? thing you do, <laughs> right? who I am as a person. Exactly, yeah. and, and I think when we start to add weight to these things, it's like, oh, now I have to produce. And yeah. when we start to put pressure on producing, then we kind of like block the creative flow, you know? Like, Absolutely. Like, and then we're like frustrated because we're like, why aren't the words <laughs> running through my brain and out of my pen? And it's like, because you're approaching it from a different, like, like the river's blocked. Like there's, um, women who wrote the wolves is one of my favorite books right now. Uh, she's a Jungian psychoanalyst, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She talks about, I just read this chapter on creativity, which I'll send to you. Cause even yeah, though love it. it's more about the woman archetype, I do think this particular section you'd love. And she kind of talks about how like our creative life is like this river. She calls it like the river beneath, um, the river. And she talks about this, like, when we're, when we're creating these conditions in which we can actually create something, there's like blockages in the river. Like we're not letting it flow. Mm. When we're creating an idea of like, I have to be this, or we're attaching an identity to it, or we're putting pressure on ourselves to produce something, we're not allowing like the divine inspiration of that creativity to just fucking flow through us. You know what oh, I mean? It's amazing. And like from a somatic perspective, I do believe it, it hits our bodies. Like I do believe energy gets stored in certain parts of our bodies. And in, until we become aware of that, we just are constantly kind of like, like storing, like we're blocking energy flow. You know yeah. what I mean? In our body. And that's why like, you know, I'm sure you've, have you ever been in just like the flow of writing and it just feels like everything just kind of aligns and you're just like in this intense moment of like feeling really at one with the universe. I know that sounds yes. super woo woo, but like I've been there before. Um, right. And in those moments, it's almost like your body feels like light, like things are court, like energy is coursing through the body. Yeah. And when we start to create from an outside perspective, all these conditions then we start to block it. And that's when the writer's block comes in or that's when the frustration sets in or that's when we start to force ourselves to produce, you know? So it's like allowing ourselves to just 
like re what's the word I'm trying to get at? Like rephrase the question of like, yeah, realign. what if this isn't my purpose, but it's a way that I actually am living my purpose out. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I needed to hear this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I so really appreciate freaking it. Right, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I've been, yeah, just sometimes I just, yeah, I build it up in my head about producing something and like, part of it was I was working on this fantasy series since I was a kid nice. and like kind of finally just have to know, like let go of it. Mm-hmm. And it's been really difficult because it was like so much of my writing inspiration or mentality was wrapped up in this series that I basically don't um, have the mental wherewithal or passion to finish it because it just, I realize it's not, I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. When I wrote, mm-hmm. when I started writing this mm-hmm. series, I wrote, I, very black and white worldview and I kind of end up creating a whole world and series of characters that um, just don't reflect like I, I've, I've tried to revisit I've tried to like mm-hmm. shape and mold the story to like who I am now and like how I see the world and trying to remove this whole these are good guys these are bad guys <laughs> the binary yeah, yeah. mindset and you can't stifle creativity by just trying to reshape the old stuff all the time. Yeah. And so much of like my ego really was tied to this like series that <laughs> Yeah. Still cannot get out get it out there. The remnant, the legend of the yeah. series. No. <laughs> now Love it. On Amazon. But that uh, old like <clears throat> the old stuff is like this is the beautiful thing about us as people, is like we evolve. Right. So we can like accept that like like as you were talking, I was like, no, the story is writing itself right now. Like yeah. you have evolved as a person, as Micah, and so has your story that you're writing. Right. And like when you think about any hero's journey, it always starts out like it never it never ends where it begins, but it does come full circle to some degree, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely. And so it's almost like, like I wonder, like as you were talking, I was sitting here thinking like, I wonder if J.K. Rowling, like she wrote how many books? Like not seven? Yeah, that, for the Harry Potter series. Yeah, yeah like, like totally different person at the beginning than at the end, I for would sure. assume. And yeah. how that evolved over time, right? And it's like one of the greatest collections that we've <laughs> known. So, like, you never know what could actually come from it, you know? And most authors, they write, I think the average is like two to three books before they ever get any of them published. Mm-hmm. Like one published. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll write a whole book that never gets published. It just sits on their computer. And it's just like... And it's like you're saying, it's an evolution of that author's personal story. Yes. That like, yeah, it, it wasn't a loss to write that fantasy series or like that book and a half I started off with. And I might go back and revisit it someday, but I just kind of was like, I've built up so much pressure in my head around yeah. finishing the series and trying to like make a thing out of it. And I just realized like, I have all these other creative ideas for these other stories that I'm like, I just need to work on that because yeah. it's given, like you're saying when you feel that energy connection with a character in the story and like oh I can write this person and it'll be it'll flow better and then just like okay I'm just gonna do a couple hundred words you know and that's yeah. basically all like there'd be times I, in the past where I'd be like okay I'm gonna write all day Saturday and I'm not leaving until I've written 2,000 words <laughs> you know and like you're saying that that's the capitalism like that's the yes. be, produce uh-huh. produce produce and instead just being like yeah, there's way more or less or way less pressure to just accept uh, I can do 200 words today mm-hmm. with work and everything else going on in my life. And 
uh, I'm not a full-time author, so it's great. Yeah. I don't have to, <laughs> there's, yep. not, there's not this identity not tied exactly. to it, you know? Yeah. And that's why they say that some <clears throat> of the best books are the ones that were written before there was a book deal. Yeah. Because once you sign a book deal, now it's like, oh, I have to produce this thing. Right. And I feel like the the writer's block or the pressure, talk about like insane experience of like having yeah. to sign a book deal and then damn, I have to now write this thing instead of having something written that came from you so naturally. So like from a, from a free flowing place that now you can put out into the world. Yeah. You know, it's different. It's a different approach. Definitely. Although if there's anyone listening who wants to give me a book deal, you yeah, know, you're gonna, for I'm real. just kidding. <laughs> I'll get paid for it too. That'll be great. Um, yeah, Victoria, I know we kind of, well, kind of, I promise I wouldn't keep you here all night. Um, oh, this has been great. Yeah. yeah. Share with us where can we uh, find you online? Yeah. And read more because you just launched your blog, right? Like I did. I launched a website. I launched a blog. I'm trying all to right. also connect back to my writing. So Hell that's yeah. been a whole whole process. Um, yeah. So I have a website. It's www.victoria-lynn.com. You can find me on Instagram at at underscore V underscore Lynn, L-Y-N-N. And uh, my website connects. You'll find all my information. You can um, find my blog. Um, I like to post on Instagram. And I'm trying to get into Instagram reels, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which has uh-huh. been fun and awkward. So, yeah, just I think I think your dog is like it's she's like she's itching or doing yeah, something. She's like, she's come like, on, <laughs> time's up. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, so find me, follow me, DM me. I'm super excited to talk about shadow work. I'm gonna be teaching at a couple of festivals coming up, um, and I'm just always looking to collaborate. So um, if you know of people or if our listeners yeah. want to collaborate to some degree, you know I'm open. Um, I really want shadow work to be a very accessible thing for everyone. So. I just really enjoy and passionate about talking about it because I think it's incredibly effective. Like not that therapy isn't like t- talk therapy is incredible. Right. Um, but I think diving into some of these deeper when it comes to matters of the soul, I think you can, it's a little more psycho spiritual, you know? Right. And I think that it gets a little bit more to the root cause of not just like why my brain thinks something, but like let's talk about the fear and the belief and the emotion behind it. So yeah, and you are taking on new clients. I am. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Okay. absolutely taking on clients. Victoria dash Lynn L Y N N dot com. Yep. Yeah, that's me. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is super fun. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks for joining me for the Pray for Micah podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review, and check out my YouTube channel and follow me on social media. Pray for Micah Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you next time. You are now re-entering the normal world. 